they played football on Monday night. Not once, but twice the regularly scheduled game between Green Bay and Atlanta went off. The Packers winning that one 30-16. And then the game that had been bumped up from Sunday to Monday between New England and Kansas City ended up with the Chiefs prevailing 26-10 and improving to 4-0. Good morning to you. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. And I'm not sharing those scores because they're some momentous thing. They're not. I mean, semi-important games. Decent game, too, by the way, between the Patriots and Chiefs. The Patriots, for a team that found out over the weekend that it wasn't going to have Cam Newton and that it had to fly in to Kansas City, which is not around the corner from Boston on the day of the game, were really tough. Bill Belichick might have handed some keys to other drivers who are facing the Chiefs in the future. It wasn't bad football. The reason that I bring it up is that the game came off. It happened. It occurred. They didn't shut it down. Instead, what they did, specifically what Roger Goodell did earlier in the day, was to round up everyone of importance across all 32 teams. Owners, general managers, coaches, some player representatives, other team officials, to throw out different ideas, concepts, How can we manage this? How can we better do this? A great big come-to-Roger meeting, for lack of a better way to word it. And not long after it was done, he put out a two-page memo that went out to everyone and instantly became public access as well, in which... He offered some of the spirit of camaraderie and we're all in this together and blah, blah, blah. But then he ended it with some really, really powerful exclamation points, which is the only way this was going to work. And if you've been listening to this show, I've only been at this for a few days now. There's no way, there's no way anyone in the football world was going to take this thing seriously. Not anyone, I shouldn't say that. There's no way that everyone in the football world was going to take this seriously unless there was a hammer involved. There had to be. There should have been one all along. And the one that needed to be put in place was the F word. Forfeit. It absolutely needed to be there all along. Now, when I brought it up last week and I got all this reaction whether it was on the website, social media, people who listen to the podcast. How can you say that? How can you do that? How can you? You're never going to see the a, a, a team in the NFL be asked to forfeit. Where are they going to get their paychecks from? How is that fair to other teams in the division if the Steelers get handed a win because the Titans are forced to forfeit? To which I answered universally. It's a pandemic. Everything's out the window. People are talking about precedent. Precedent doesn't matter. The NFL has never existed during a pandemic. The last meaningful pandemic in our civilization was in 1918. 
before the National Football League was a glimmer in anyone's eye. We're in completely new and uncharted territory. And if and when you find out that a team has been negligent, and I'm trying to use that word in the legalistic sense, and if it means picking on the Titans and Mike Vrabel yet again, here I go. Because what the Titans did was negligent. That doesn't mean that Mike Vrabel said, man, I really hope some of my players and staff come down with coronavirus. That'd be really cool if that happened. Let's see if I can do this on purpose to make it happen. That's not what this is about. So when people hear the Titans intentionally did this, of course they didn't. But what the Titans did, by all accounts, and it's about to get a whole lot worse for them, was they okayed a culture where some of the NFL's existing protocols were ignored. Simple as that. That's breaking the rules. That's breaking the rules as much as breaking the rules exist on an actual football field. The problem was, and I said this at the time, and I don't want to keep doing told you so's here through this whole thing, but I'm trying to explain why some of this is going to come across as you know, a little repetitive, that Mike Vrabel, the moment he spoke about this, sounded like a football coach who was thinking and worried about football. And I'm not even sure I can blame him for that. You know why? He is a football coach. This is what he does. But we're in a spot in society where people who are not normally charged with helping others get through a situation that could impact their health and their family members' health now have to do that. So what I maintained at the time is what I'll maintain now and what I really appreciated about Goodell's action here, and that is he put it out in football terms. Okay, you didn't understand when we said this, coach, but will you understand when we threatened the docking of a draft pick? You're not going to understand fines because fines don't mean anything to teams. There's always a way around them. They don't cost that much in the bigger picture for how much teams bring in in TV money. You can give them a million-dollar fine, and they're going to sneeze it off. But you start talking about draft picks, now you're getting serious. Now you're they, they, can, they can process that. They, oh, yeah, draft pick. That would really hurt us in the football sense. But I love the fact that Goodell didn't even see fit to stop there. He didn't. The way his memo was worded, and this is close to the bottom of the second page, was even a forfeit. He wanted to underscore how radical it would be to tell a team that they've lost a game because they didn't properly prepare themselves to play it. He wanted to make sure that it was understood, look, the National Football League has never instituted a forfeit, which is true. It's never happened. That's 
one main reason, by the way, that my suggestion on this front last week was met with at least some derision. But again, this is unprecedented. This is this isn't you throw out whatever you've learned and heard before. The NFL's never had to deal with this. Now it is. This is the only way it was going to work. Now Roger didn't lay out uh, you know, the specifics. Well, one infraction means this, means docking of draft picks, two infractions. Because again, you can't do that either. What you have to do is what the league and the union are currently doing in Nashville, which is conducting an investigation. Already, there have been leaks out of that that they are extremely dissatisfied with what they've learned about the Titans protocols or the Titans following the NFL protocols is a more precise way to put it. And I believe that's one reason that one of the things that's listed in this two-page memo is that they're going to have cameras up. They're going to have cameras in the team facilities. I mean, think about it. This is like Big Brother stuff. I guarantee you they're going to put them everywhere. It's not just going to be the teams like Tennessee and uh, the Raiders and the Seahawks and whatever that have come into question. It's going to be everywhere. They're going to be up on the south side too. If you're walking around the hallways and you're not wearing a mask, and you're not uh, following this rule or that rule, or you're congregating outside the building. The NFL has its own security force for people who don't know that. All the league has to do in this setting is just say, hey, fellas, here. You know, the same way they do mall security, and they just watch a bunch of small black and white monitors to see if something's wrong. Keep an eye on these teams. It's a shame that it's come to that, but at the same time, it's a bigger shame that it wasn't in effect beforehand. Because if it had been, I can promise you, based on what we just saw with Major League Baseball and how seriously all of a sudden those protocols were taken after the Marlins and Cardinals happened and after Rob Manford, who isn't exactly a gigantic leader among men, made his own statement like this, The NFL wouldn't have this issue. It just wouldn't. The Steelers never would have been put in the position that they have, and way more important than that, the Titans wouldn't have come down with 20 sick people. Some of them older, I'm sure, meaning among the staffers. That's where it gets scary. That's where you're talking about uh, 15 to 17% mortality rate. That's scary stuff. Or if they went and infected their families. That's one thing you never hear about in these cases. You don't hear about the uh, extrapolation. You know, if there's 20 people involved in the Titans, how many other people did they come into contact with in their personal lives? That number never becomes known. None of this had to happen. If you want to blame Vrabel for being you know, meathead football coach or however it is anybody would care to characterize him. Obviously, he's not a dumb guy. I'm just, when I'm describing this, I'm doing this in the context of that he's not an epidemiologist and he's not going to grasp the severity of this unless it's put into terms that mean the most to him in his life. And his life is about football, as is the case with almost every football coaches. That's why they say the word football all the time, and it's why I've just said the word football ten times in the past 30 seconds. 
<laughs> That's just football. No, the NFL should not be considering a retroactive forfeit. I don't think that would be fair to the Titans. I don't think that would be fair to the Steelers' opponents. I've never called for one. All I've written and spoken since this occurred was that it needs to be on the table. That's how it was in the column that I wrote about it. That's how it was in the headline. Forfeit needs to be in play, on the table. It needs to be a hammer that's available to the commissioner. Well, now he's put it in writing. Now he's put it out there. And the Titans, for the first time yesterday morning, came back with no positive tests. So, yippee, way to go. Way to go, coach. You finally figured it out 13 days in. That's where this had to go. And now I can promise you, you just watch. Now all of a sudden the NFL is going to be just in immaculate shape. That doesn't mean there'll be no positive tests. You're not going to see another Titans the rest of the way. Mark my words on this. Even in baseball, when it happened to the Marlins, it again happened to the, it happened to the Cardinals about a week or so later. But the Cardinals situation, based on what I've been told by St. Louis reporters that I trust, wasn't really like that. It was more of something that was allowed in from the outside. That's not what this was. The Titans blew it. The Titans haven't been punished for it. But I'll tell you what, they'd better be ready to play football against the Buffalo Bills this weekend. They had better. When we come back, some hockey. Tonight is the NHL draft, at least the first round of it, which means that the Penguins are immensely unlikely to be participating. They, of course, will not have a pick in the first or second rounds of this draft. Rounds two through seven are tomorrow morning and into the afternoon. Tonight could still have activity, though, from the Penguins' standpoint, and I'm extremely Curious, like unnaturally curious. I'm not generally one of those people that sits around contemplating potential player personnel moves. That's not my thing. When they come, I deal with them. I don't worry about them beforehand. This one's different, though. This one is really different. This portion of the Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, whose current drive is Grow, Share, Thrive. It's also the name of the website they've created for it. GrowShareThrive.org. In normal times in our region, one in seven people don't know where their next meal is coming from. That includes one in five children. That can be a scary thing, again, in normal times. Imagine what it is during a pandemic with more people out of work and facing greater uncertainty. Go check out this website, GrowShareThrive.org to see how you can help. One thing I can tell you before you get there is that it just takes $1 to provide enough food for up to five meals. That is a true and verified thing. Jim Rutherford has to move Matt Murray. Um, He couldn't make that clear if he put it up in red neon 
on the Las Vegas Strip at this point. And if anybody had been speculating anything to the contrary, that was blown to bits over the weekend with the extension signed by Tristan Jari, as well as the accompanying declaration that Jari is our guy. Murray's out. Can't fit him under the cap. Gotta move him. Gotta make room. Gotta make room for other players. I really believe that, that are still needed. You saw that the Penguins also did retain the rights to five restricted free agents. Uh, Most of those younger guys did not do so for Dominic Simone. Although Rutherford has left the door open to bringing Dom back, I hope he does. This is a good hockey player to just let him walk away. But that it'll have to come at a price that's more attractive to the Penguins than what Dom can get by simply being tendered as a restricted free agent. We'll see how that goes. One way or another, the cap's got to come down and Murray's got to be moved. My own feeling at the moment, based on at least a couple of things that I've heard, as as well as just some intuition, is that Murray's going to end up in some form or other with the Minnesota Wild. There's an obvious connection there between Rutherford and Bill Guerin. In fact, they've already made one very significant trade with the Jason Zucker move. Bill Guerin needs a goaltender in the worst way. And uh, I was saying that before Devin Dubnik was signed away. I don't trust anybody that wears that particular uniform in net. In fact, I didn't even like Dubnik when everybody else was all high on him. He was just a big body and not much more than that, and eventually that did get exposed. Garen can pull that off. Garen will know better than any general manager outside of Pittsburgh what Murray is all about, what makes him tick, what... What's his good? What's his bad? The number one thing that concerns any sports executive, and I can tell you this based on countless interviews with these people, is character. They know what they know from watching film, from watching players live. They know what kind of players they are, what they don't know is the stuff that's behind the scenes. And yeah, some of that gets personal, you know, about you know how people conduct themselves, you know, what you know, what how they are from a behavioral standpoint, how they are with family and uh, you know, if their lives are weird or whatever. They they're frustrated and nervous about acquiring players, especially in major acquisitions that they just don't really know much about. And This won't surprise you, but they will often get their fingernails dirty in the process of trying to find out more. And if that means being nebby, to use a classic great Pittsburgh term, so be it. Garen doesn't have to wonder about that. He doesn't have to wonder about that with Murray. He knows exactly what Muzz is all about. He knows that he's at his best when... 
the stakes are the highest. That's the truth. Nobody can take that away from Murray. Whenever his back was pushed to the wall, including in the two Stanley Cup championships that he won, remember how great he was after a loss? That's a sign of character. That's 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 a sign of a player that you want to be part of your championship drive. Maybe not necessarily the Murray that you would see uh, in October and November of a, of a typical season. If it isn't Minnesota, there's, there's any number of teams that are out there that are looking for goaltending. But there's also a very large number of goaltenders available, these unrestricted free agents. Garen and any GM can go that route and not worry about giving up the draft pick that Rutherford's made known that he's seeking. It's a convenient, less expensive way to do it, but it comes with that risk. It just does. Don't tell me that Billy Guerin knows every goaltender on that UFA list, even if he's got the money. Let's say he wants to talk to the the Braden Holtby camp. This is the number one to me. Out of all the goaltenders that are available, he's the guy that I would take, all other things being equal. Braden Holtby's my guy. I know he didn't have the greatest season for the Caps just now, but that's how strongly I feel about him. Let's just say that Garen says, that's it, you know, we're shooting for the moon. This is our guy. He doesn't know him. You know, I mean, again, he can go and find out whispers and this and that, and he can talk to people who maybe coached him in Washington, like Todd Reardon, uh, like Barry Trotz, if Barry Trotz felt like sharing something with other people in the business, uh, scouts, hockey community isn't that big. He can do that. But he's never going to find out a fraction about Holpe that he wouldn't already know about Murray. Now, twin into that, and this is another point that Rutherford's been making a lot, that Murray is going to be significantly younger than most of these goaltenders that are out there. you got to be in the league for a few years to get UFA status. Murray's still RFA. That's restricted versus unrestricted. And that's because he hasn't been around very long. If Billy G is serious about making Minnesota younger, faster, fresher, all that other stuff, and he's already made moves to that effect, there's no way he could have liked what he saw upon taking over last winter. No way. And I'm not guessing at that. I've spoken to him. He has to go a different direction, so he needs a goaltender that he can trust for years to come. He needs a younger guy. You see where I'm headed here. Maybe he'll want to get this done in time uh, for the draft, although I would think that that would be more of an urgency thing on Rutherford's point of view because if you think about it, Rutherford keeps saying, well, we want to bring younger guys in, but we want them to come through faster. And obviously the reason for that is that he's got Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and other guys in his core. It makes sense 
that he'd go for a draft pick, meaning Rutherford, this year versus next year. And maybe that's the urgency that Garen can play against him and say, well, look, you know, I could give you a uh, a second rounder this year, and maybe it's a first rounder next year. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to get anybody's hopes up here. I'm just saying that this I otherwise don't see the Penguins pulling off this Matt Murray thing on this particular day. I just don't, unless it's with Minnesota. I think every other team that needs a goaltender, and it's a it's a long list too, almost as long as the list of available players at the position. Take, for example, the two Alberta teams, both of which need goaltending. They're better off, I think, waiting to see the actual market. Not so much Billy, because he could have an advantage here in that he knows and trusts Murray and might feel like he's getting Murray at a lower price because Murray's coming off a not-so-great, eh, what would we say, a year and a half, something like that. Something to look forward to when we come back a little bit of baseball. Welcome back. The Major League Baseball playoffs, the division series, also happened last night, unbeknownst to most of the general public. The Yankees beat the Rays 9 to 3. The Astros beat the A's 10 to 5. Both of which bring me two steps closer to my ultimate dream final four for the league championship series. This portion of Daily Shot is always brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG represents people who are hurt and car accidents, who need help with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The good people at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep that promise. They've been keeping promises at this law firm for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City. You can learn more about LGKG at, not coincidentally, lgkg.com. See, easy enough to remember, lgkg.com, or by calling them at 888-842-5454. Okay, here's what I need. I need the Yankees and the Astros to advance in the American League. Let that be the ALCS. I need the Braves and the Dodgers to advance in the NLCS. What, you don't agree with this? You don't like any of these teams? Great! Perfect! This is exactly what's ideal here. This is, this is, wait, let, let, let's take this even further. Let's take this even further. Go through them. The Yankees would beat the Rays, who are everyone's role model for how you can be so smart and still win with a low payroll. 
the Astros would be beating the A's, who of course are still and rightly associated with Moneyball and that scrappy team that can somehow do it, except that they never do. In the National League, you've got the Dodgers going against the Padres, the team that spends the most money in baseball thanks to the most exorbitant television contract in the history of professional sports, against the Padres, who just advanced through a round of playoffs for the first time since 1998. And then you have the Braves against the utterly hopeless Marlins, and I mean that on a perpetual basis, who also never spend any money, but they're cute, and we like them. Can't have this. This can't happen in what needs to be an apocalyptic year for baseball in 2021 with the labor agreement expiring. The only way baseball is going to get a salary cap is if all the bad things about baseball are exposed at once. It's going to take that kind of calamity. I really believe that. Notice I'm not even mentioning the Astros as cheaters. And the reason for that is, now I'm going to take you into the next round. I've got the Yankees, ideally, pretty please, beating the Astros. And then I've got the Dodgers, please, 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 advancing by taking care of the Braves. So you have, in the World Series, the two teams that spend the most money, the Yankees and the Dodgers, the ones that are most associated with everything that's wrong with baseball in terms of the ability to grossly inflate payrolls. It's perfect. It's perfect. I don't want, don't spare me this stuff. I hear from Dodgers fans occasionally about, oh, a lot of this talent was homegrown and they don't really have any advantage. It, it, it's all bunk because what ends up happening is, yeah, they've drafted and developed extremely well in Los Angeles. They really have. They have some exciting young players coming along. Uh, furthermore, they're going to keep them that way. The difference is when they do it, they can keep them there as long as they want. When they get a Clayton Kershaw, they don't let them go. Furthermore, if and when they do make a mistake or someone just doesn't pan out, including a major signing that they try to make, they just go get another one. It's not a big deal. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, really? This guy didn't work out? Okay, bye. Then they just go get another one. They're playing a completely different game than other teams, they and the Yankees, and a couple others. And that's about it. Look, if they were to win the Dodgers and Yankees within a salary cap system, who'd say anything? Who'd complain? I mean, at least not anybody who'd be knowledgeable or paying attention to anything, right? When the New York Giants won the Super Bowl, did you have... People saying, hey, that's not fair. They spend all the money. They're from a big market. No, because they spend the same amount of money as the Green Bay Packers who play in a comparative village. Why did the Giants win? Because they were better run than other teams, because Eli Manning was great. Nothing else to it. You know, it wasn't all that complicated. That's okay. That's fair. Start from a fair standpoint. I think that's the only reasonable thing that anyone can ask going into any sporting process. 
This is what's fair. This is what's right. Baseball needs a salary cap. And the best way to get it is by just continuously exposing these bad things the way we saw happen this past summer and the way it's only going to balloon next summer going into the following labor agreement assuming that there is one. Thanks so much for listening to this. I sure hope that you also check out our other dedicated podcasts to the Steelers and to the Pirates. Steelers one is done by Chris Carter and Dale Lawley, the Pirates one by Alex Stone and Noah Piles. They're good shows. Good shows. Hope you check them out. Thank you. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.